I know that there are some other projects that you're working on mm -hmm. related to reparations, and there's one in particular that's related to your own family. That's right. Um, and so tell us about your experience looking into your family's history and, and trying to develop a case for reparations for yourself and for others. So this is an interesting story. My mother had a significant birthday. I'm not going to make her mad by telling you the We feel number. it. <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, she had a, a birthday recently, and I was throwing her a surprise party. And in order to do so, I went on to Facebook and started looking for some cousins to invite who I might not have been in contact with for years. Mm -hmm. So I type in my last name onto Facebook and, of course, uh, a number of white faces show, show up on my timeline. You should try Clark. I mean, look, <laughs> innumerable. Right. Mm -hmm. But even more interestingly, so we trace our family history to a town called Forsyth in Georgia. Okay. Which um, is a small farming town. That's actually where the plantation was. Okay. And... Um, is one of the most racist towns in in American history. Oprah has actually done a show on this. So oh, word. It's, it's, uh -huh. it's um, officially one of the most racist towns in America. This is a town where there were no black people for over 100 years. They literally chased out all the black people, wow. had an ethnic cleansing, and chased out all the black people and then said, no black people can come here. But anyway, uh, interestingly, not only were these people people who had my last name, but they were also people who were from Forsyth. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, my last name is not a, it's not Clark. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a easy. Uh, like commonplace. Commonplace. Right? It's not a commonplace last name. Mm -hmm. And it's a very small town. So there's a high chance that these people are indeed descendants of enslavers. I, I never use the term slave owners because I, right. don't, I don't believe that people can own other people mm -hmm. um, in the past or in the present. And, I think we ought to spotlight the moral degradation of what these people did. Mm -hmm. They were enslavers. It wasn't something that they should receive some sort of kudos as a, as owners or even as planters. I believe they were enslavers. They were engaged in human rights violations. And I think it also kind of clarifies the point that slavery was a process. It, mm -hmm. it was to enslave, not to be a slave. That yep. wasn't a category. <laughs> That's right. Mm -hmm. And so... I had a number of different emotions once I, <laughs> I put two and two together. Right. I added a couple. A couple added me. Uh, I didn't say anything to them. I still haven't said anything to them. Word. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, but we're, going, we're going to yeah. have some conversations because what I did next was attend my family reunion. We had a family reunion recently, and uh, I spoke to some of the elders in the family about the situation. Uh, you know, some aunties that were that were present. Mm -hmm. And um, I told them, hey, I'm a lawyer. I'm, I'm someone who studies racial justice and reparations. We have a, a family scholarship fund that we've set up for the young people in our family who want to go to college. It's bereft of actual scholarship funds, no. <laughs> <laughs> as, as is a lot of families. Yeah. And um, I think that we should go down and request a modest contribution, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars to start uh, to our scholarship fund, and then take it from there. They they gave me their blessing, but not only their blessing, they gave me orders to to, to come back. You know, the the next family reunion is in two years. Mm -hmm. To come back and report back as to what I was able to accomplish. Wow! So my next uh, project 
is going to be uh, actually going to Forsyth and communicating with these individuals and uh, opening up this process. The way I, the way I see it is it's, it's a process that will give them an opportunity to begin to make things right. Mm-hmm. And um, I do want to frame it as really a gift to this family. Right. They, they are part of a painful part of our, our story as Americans. Uh, one interesting thing about the reparations debate is that it, it's all about understanding ourselves mm-hmm. and not living in denial about who we are as a nation. So many Americans believe in the idea of American exceptionalism because they have a false idea of what happened in this country. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to face it because they may have to confront the possibility that white innocence is a myth. <laughs> Speak on it. So in order to avoid facing the reality that white innocence is a myth, they are fiercely against reparations, not even because of the financial issue. Many people think the financial issue is what makes it a non-starter. You will find even the desire to talk about enslavement and talk about the history of white supremacy will make people uncomfortable. They don't even want it on the table. They don't even want to talk about race at all. But what we've seen is that not only did these things have an impact and not only do they can have a, have a continuing impact on who we are as Americans and, and not only do they continue to be part of the story of the American racial dilemma, the, the wealth gap where, you know, as you well know, black Americans make about what, five or 10% of the wealth that right. white Americans do. If you break it down by family, yeah. you know, mass incarceration, if you look at those statistics, equally horrendous, if you start the story from the end, uh, it seems like this is something, even with, with you have these neutral laws, quote unquote, that make it seem like, well, there must be something wrong with these people to get these outcomes over and over again. Right. But if you, if you start from the beginning and you see this as a continuous story, you realize that in light of what we've been through, the fact that it isn't even worse is a miracle. Right, yeah. You know, and yeah. so, you know, it's about understanding who we are and it, it does double work. It, it helps to increase our understanding and respect for our own family members and our own ancestors and what they've been through. And it helps to explain what we're going through right now. And it's, as a, a project which began over 400 years ago and continues until today, it continues in terms of what we saw in Ferguson. It continues in terms of uh, what we see in the the housing market, foreclosure crisis, also the the continued disproportionate number of African Americans who are locked out of the possibility for a good career, for a healthy life in terms of their access to healthy and clean food, in terms of their freedoms from from incarceration. Right. Uh, there's so many different freedoms that we are denied. And so you need to understand the whole story. And the best way to do that is by understanding and coming to grips with our history. And so reparations is, this is a process of remembering, a process of coming to know who we are as a people. And it also is a process of starting to repair some of the things that were broken. 
I think that's a great definition for it because I, I do mm-hmm. think that so many people get hung up on the money as if, you know, if it was free, then they would totally right. do it, which is not <laughs> true either. Right. Um, and, and so I actually didn't know that you had found some of the white folks in your family. Yeah. And, and these are the folks that you were adding onto Facebook. Yeah. Right? And so I, I guess I'm <laughs> on a petty note, I'm interested in, in how you're going to go about setting up those lines of communication like have you looked at their facebook posts are you gonna be like hey cuz like, like how what are, what are you thinking about at least strategically in terms of broaching the topic i'm, I'm gonna start with a letter okay and written or or emailed probably both <laughs> all right you're for I, real about I'm this. for real yeah. about it yeah and um i'll inform people of uh what is going to happen uh so in addition, some of these these individuals are very prominent. There's also there's a partner in a law firm. Oh wow! There's a city council person, local city council. Okay. So they won't be, they won't be hard to find. It won't be hard to to conduct follow up phone calls if they don't respond quickly to the letter. Right. Um, and uh, you know, also of note is that as a law professor with my own center, yeah, I've been able to do some research into reparations and. I've realized that there have been many successful repara- reparations projects around the country. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I've been studying the processes, studying the legal concepts that have worked, studying doctrinal arguments from a legal perspective. If I was to, say, decide to go to a inter-American commission tribunal and submit a petition on behalf of my family, I could do that. Wow. Because some of the inter-American commission hearings and the international human rights bodies are listening to reparations arguments, yeah. much more so than our local federal courts are. Right, right. Some of, some of our local commissions, some you know, some places like Washington D.C. have a D.C. Human Rights Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a process to file a petition there. There are many different ways you could file legal claims that could possibly be cognizable depending on how you're able to make an argument on the statute of limitations issue. So, I mean, th- those are the weeds of the legal process. Right. But I think being a lawyer, more than anything else, gave me a sense of empowerment. I, I do feel like out of all the people in my family that have been around since we got free, I have a special opportunity. Mm-hmm. As someone who's been given uh, a legal education at one of the top law schools in the country, mm-hmm. as someone who's, you know, I definitely, I'm definitely the first law professor in my family since enslavement. Right. So I do have a special role to play in being able to have the confidence to have a conversation with these people, not feel inferior, be willing to enter this debate and start negotiations. Not all of our families have people like ourselves who are given this opportunity and blessing of a legal education. And I think it's a duty of ours, a responsibility of ours to use it. And, and absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, our family will remind us this is when I was still in law school, cousins were calling me up like, Hey, you know, I got, I got a case for you. Oh, oh. And I'm not really asking you. I'm telling you. It keeps coming. <laughs> right. Over and over again. Oh Brie, yeah. <laughs> Brie says that she needs to charge people. Oh now. yeah. <laughs> that's usually, that's what we're working on. Yeah. But you never will, you know, they're going to yeah. call you and it's family, it's family. Right. And so they're not asking you, they're telling you. And so uh, they know it. And, you know, my my particular opportunity to study reparations has given me a particular ch- chance at this moment in history 
to reach out to these people. And I know it's been it would be very hard, say, 50 years ago mm-hmm. to be able to, to track down and find descendants of enslavers. Today, with our technology, anyone who's listening to this podcast, they might have already done it. You can just mm-hmm. go on to Facebook. <laughs> you can put in your last name. Ancestry.com. Ancestry.com. There's a whole industry over it. Yeah. One of my dreams is to make this go viral. I would love... I would love to to find out five years from now that after this project, black families around the country decided to start approaching these descendants of enslavers. And and some will provide right. reparations. I'm here to tell you, not all it's not a situation where 100 percent of the people will just stonewall you. I think we have to start to uh, understand and have faith in the, in the moral force of our arguments and the legitimacy of our arguments. And I think we have a lot to back us up in terms of even the legal infrastructure of our arguments. As a human rights perspective, there are cases around the world where people have gotten reparations for things from from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa to Colombia to places around the world have given reparations to those who have been descendants of victims and yeah. human rights atrocities. Enslavement was a human rights atrocity. You don't have to go all the way to, to enslavement. Like Ta-Nehisi Coates said in his article in The Atlantic in uh, 2014, we deserve reparations for redlining. Right. We deserve reparations for housing discrimination in the 20th century. War on I, drugs. The, you know, oh, the war on drugs. Well. We deserve reparations for the war on drugs. And I believe we deserve reparations for... The, the policing, uh, you know, fees and fines scam yep. that Ferguson police and Baltimore police and police around the country have done and continue to do until today. Yeah. So we have a legitimate case and it's up to us to press that case. And I hope this is just the beginning of the process. Yeah. And I mean, to me, it seems like you have all of the fodder for a really great project, you know, Mm. if it turns into a book, if it turns into some type of written form um, or visual form of just showing the journey from that first Facebook search all the way until the conclusion, hopefully where you're able to have a conversation where people are able to express feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. And you never know. I mean, if you got someone that's at a firm, you might get a, a smooth check. There you uh, go. So here's, here's, <laughs> hoping, here's hoping that check uh, go through for, for the, the folks yep. in your family that are trying to get a dope education. Yep. Secure the bag for these folks. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with me today. Uh, before you go, I wanted to know if there's any advice that you'd want to give to law students and prospective law students who are very much interested in the types of work that you're doing. So the, the folks who are coming into critical race theory yeah. that may not have the, the wide array of critical race theory courses that Georgetown right, offers. Right. Or maybe maybe this is a plug for people to go to Georgetown. Um, you know, <laughs> not, not necessarily. Oh, uh, well, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, like what what do you think people should be thinking about when they're either planning to apply to law school or or in law school to help them to get the skills and the experience that they need to go on to do work like that? Follow your heart, man. It, it, the, the temptation in the law, in our profession, is to go the trodden path. And people will tell you, oh, don't get too deep into that social justice stuff. 
you know, you're not going to get a job at a firm. It'll, it'll ruin your chances to become a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. For people say things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- think about your loans. You know, there's public interest loan forgiveness that has helped me. I say you have to be true to your mission. And you have to, it's, it's almost like those guys in prison who say, you know, don't, <laughs> don't let the time do you. You do the time. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. You know, don't let law school form who you are. You form what your law school experience will be. And so you have to enter it with a vision. And I know it's hard. Some people don't enter law school with a, a clear 5, 10, 15-year plan. I right. didn't. Same, same. But you have to be true to what's exciting to you. If, if there's something that excites you, if there's something that makes you want to get up early to work on it, uh, there's something that you would volunteer for to do for free, Yeah, you gotta you have to find a way to use the law to help you promote that and make that your living. So you want to be in a position where you're excited to wake up in the morning. I have to say, you know, I don't have a perfect life at all by any means. I got I have a lot of drawbacks. Yeah. But there are many days where I'm excited to get up in the morning and I'm like, man, today I'm about to go work on the Mike Brown case and I'll be able to be part of this fight against police brutality. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to work on a reparations case. And, you know, the day after that, I'm going to open the Thurgood Marshall Civil Rights Center. If I had to get up in the morning and work at a firm just and just uh, focus on getting a certain amount of billable hours, not only would it be harder for me to be successful doing it, I'd be miserable. Mm-hmm. And what I found was when I did things that made me excited, not only was I more happy, but I was also more successful. And that's, I think that's the key that people forget. If you're not enjoying it, you're not going to put in the time or you're not going to be able to get the same energy and enthusiasm right. and inject that into the work in the same way you will if you are able to follow your dream and your passion. So, fo- so follow your dreams in spite of all the naysayers and people who try to influence you to take the bar courses yeah. <laughs> and to do all these things. Trust me. I mean, you'll, do be- you'll be better off taking the fun courses mm-hmm. and getting good grades I'm going to tell you all a secret. Don't tell anybody else. All right. All right, but you heard it here first. This is the truth, and they, they don't want they don't want you to know this. <laughs> they don't want you to. They don't want you to thrive. They don't want no. you to thrive on this. But I'm going to tell you all the truth. A lot of these employers, man, when they, they have a stack of resumes up to here, yeah, and when they when they're looking for people to hire, maybe they will glance at a GPA, but that's it. They're not, they're not looking at what course you took until you get far down into the process. Right. So if you, if you drag your feet and force yourself to take corporations and tax and evidence because it's on the bar and get Bs, you'll be worse off than if you took race and fun or, right. <laughs> and, get, and got A's. And, and yeah. Because those A's will give you a higher GPA, and that's what they'll see. They're not going to see right. the name of the course. So I mean, so the truth is, you'll be better off from a career, from a pragmatic career standpoint, taking fun classes. For me, the fun classes were race and the law. Right. You'll be better off taking the fun classes, enjoying your your law school experience, getting better grades, getting a better job, living happily ever after, being better looking because you won't be stressed, and you won't break out, <laughs> right? Get a get a better uh, relationship, and have a better life. That that's that's really the piece of advice I would give to law students. And it's something that I think a lot of people probably won't believe. They, yeah. they probably won't buy this. But for those of you who do, 
Y'all, y'all are going to be all right. I'll take the pay cut that public interest requires there just it is. so I can keep clear skin and just, you know, <laughs> just hold on to, to whatever youth I have left. That's what's important out here, man. Yeah. You got to keep your youth going. Yeah. Professor Hansford, thank you so much for coming to speak with us. Uh, go ahead and, and kind of give us a plug on any projects that you're working on, any social media that you want us to follow for you or the center. Yeah, so I am at Black Star Jess. Mm. So you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. with the same han- handle. And pretty soon we'll have our Thurgood Marshall Center social media okay. up. It's not going. It's not not up right now, so I can't give you any mm-hmm. handle right now. But what, what's the website though? Because you have a website, right? Not yet. We're gonna oh, have our okay. website. So the, the big, all of it's coming up. All of it's coming up. The yeah. grit, the, the launch is in September. Oh, so we'll, dope, dope. So y'all are still in the incubating stage. Still in the stage. incubating okay. stage. If, gotcha. you go, if you go to the Howard Law School homepage, you'll see a link to our fellowship program. Mm-hmm. And we do hire entry-level fellows, as, as you saw a mm-hmm. bit belatedly. Um, and we're still going, going to continue hiring them. And it also gives you a short description of what we're planning to do with the center. But there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful work forthcoming. So stay tuned for that. Very excited to hear that and very excited to see what this uh, center goes on to do. So thank you so much. Thanks.